0: again everyone, good to um, have the opportunity to come and to share with you. We're going to talk tonight around Psalm 73, uh, if any of you want to follow it, although what I'm going to do is, this is a, a, a psalm that's full of emotion, and so I'm actually going to read it from the New Living Translation, uh, so it may be slightly different from uh, the version you have if you have the NIV with you, which is the one that we usually use. Um, but before I talk about that, uh, I don't know if any of you watched on television yesterday. Um, I'm not sure if I can say his name, but I didn't see it, I didn't watch it, but Iliad Kipcho- Kipchogi or something like that, Kipchoge, is that right? Um, I didn't hear it pronounced, I just read about it afterwards, and his attempt to run the marathon in under two hours. Uh, And he made it in, what was it, one hour, 59 and 40 seconds, something like that. And uh, um, I believe, uh, I understand they had this kind of um, laser that was showing where he needed to be running, and he had, was it, five pacemakers running in front of him to be the ideal windbreak, Uh, and he made it which is an amazing achievement, isn't it? Um, But strangely enough, that just came to my attention because I was planning to tell you about someone called Samir Singh. Um, And I read about him, it's probably a couple of years ago now, and he had this uh, desire, this um, challenge that he set himself to run 10,000 kilometres in 100 days. 10,000 kilometres in 100 days Uh, and he was running around the streets of Mumbai and um, into the slums and into the business district and living on, I found this out, just £2.30 a day and he was relying on people to donate the equipment that he needed and he got a little bit for food um, and was running and running. Uh, he was doing pretty well, but he had been ill at various times, and this put him a little bit behind schedule. To give him an idea of how ill he'd become, um, when it came to the last day, he weighed 40 kilograms, or um, 88 pounds, for those of you that prefer it in that, um, that form. Um, uh, and actually, he got to the last day needing to run 93 miles or 150 kilometres uh, to achieve what he was intending to do. He managed a number of them, but in, when he was just 36 kilometres short, he couldn't go on anymore. And uh, exhaustion overtook him, and he had to give up. Uh, now, uh, you could look at it two ways, I guess. You could look at it, he didn't make the 100,000 kilometres, but I think it's pretty impressive, isn't it, to do 99,000, uh, sorry, 9,964 in that time. He didn't quite make the 10,000, but amazing what he did do. But imagine what it must have felt like just at that moment where he thought, I cannot go on any longer. That's it. I've got to give up. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been running to that point where they talk in marathon running about the wall, where you just think, that's it. I can't go on any longer. Now, that can happen in a number of different circumstances. And tonight, we're going to read a psalm of Asaph. And um, it's Psalm 73, as I said earlier on, a psalm of Asaph. We don't know exactly who Asaph is. Uh, There are around 12 psalms attributed to him. It's probably likely that he was a godly man who served in the temple uh, for um, David and for Solomon. So, Um, probably um, leading the music in that time and writing psalms like this. Uh, And this is how the psalm starts off. Just as you might expect a godly man to lead off with something, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And then he goes on to say this, But as for me... I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. He was at that point where he thought, I cannot carry on any longer. And it was to do with his faith, uh, this godly man, he gets to this point where actually it just feels like it's hard to keep going. Uh, And so What I want to do tonight is look at his journey. We're going to go through uh, this psalm, looking at what happens and the various emotions that are expressed. But we start with this. Why is it relevant? Because I think sometimes we can get to the point in life where we think, I'm not sure I can carry on. I'm not sure I can keep going. It, It could be in a work situation. It could be to do with family stuff. It could be to do with finances. It could be all sorts of pressures. It may be to do with our faith. And we just get to that point where we think, I'm not sure I can carry on. Let me give you a couple of examples of possible situations where people might feel like that. John is working for a firm where he questions some of their ethics. He's a Christian and uh, he knows that within the sales and what he's encouraged to do, he would say that, um, well, to put it nicely, they are encouraged by management to exaggerate the benefits to the customers in order for them to get more sales. Uh, Some might describe it even stronger than that of telling stuff to people that just isn't true Uh, and as a Christian he's felt he cannot go along with that and he's resisted it but what he's seeing is this, he's seeing other people employed by the firm getting promotions And being well thought of. Uh, And actually along with the promotions, they're getting wage increases. And he's being left behind. Uh, And actually for him as a family, he's got a growing family, they're struggling for money. And it's hard. And he just gets to that point of saying, well actually, you know, faith is making my life harder. It would be easier if I wasn't a Christian. That's one example of John. Take Anne as another example. Anne has been a Christian for, well, many years, and she and her husband have been married for 40 years, very happily married. But not so long ago, her husband was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, initially, they were praying and praying with great hope and expectation. They have the elders around who were praying over them and anointing with oil. uh, And they were believing that God was going to heal yet they've just been to the hospital and the news is far from good. Uh, And Anne is finding it really hard because she's saying, well, actually, if she wasn't a Christian, she would just say, well, cancer is a part of life. But what she's finding really hard right now is the fact that surely God has the power to heal, but he doesn't seem to be doing it. Uh, And why not? What's wrong? If she wasn't a Christian, she could just write it off as one of those things. But actually, she's now feeling disappointed with her faith and saying it's hard to carry on. One more example. Let me give you the example of Andrew. Andrew got married about four years ago. And if he was honest and he isn't very often open and honest about it with people, it's been a bit of a mistake. He, he was worried he wasn't sure about it when the time came to get married, but he decided to go through with it anyway. Uh, and actually, he doesn't really feel like his, his wife understands him. It doesn't feel like um, they get on that well together. In the workplace, he's um, he's hearing from one or two friends of his, and one of them in particular is talking about the fact how he has left his wife and he's met another woman. uh, And actually, he's much happier now than he was before. Uh, And he's at this point of thinking, well, actually, um, I'm not happy in my family. I'm not happy in the home. I would like to leave, but my Christian faith tells me I should keep on going. But it's hard, and I'm not sure I want to. And I don't know how long I can keep on going for. And perhaps we could go on and on giving examples of different cases and different circumstances. Now these stories are all made up, but I can tell you in pastoral ministry, I have heard those very close stories a a number of different times for people. Uh, And at each time, the question is for them, do I keep going in my faith or do I give up? Uh, And Asaph, in his his particular situation, says uh, this, that truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I was almost at the point of giving up. Why? He goes on to tell us, for I envied the proud... When I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. In other words, he's seeing people who are not leading godly lives, but they actually seem to be doing better than the people who are. I wonder if you've ever experienced that of seeing other people who seem to be prospering when they're not following the faith, and there are those who are who are struggling. I've seen that. Uh, and so here he is, and he's, he, he's going to go on and just talk about some of the difficulties that there are with them. And we, we get this sense of, you know, he's opening his heart here, he's complaining. Listen to this, he says, They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. You get the feeling that he's not happy with the situation, don't you? Uh, and actually what he's doing is he's, he, he's putting his finger on a particular issue that I've alluded to already. Why is it that actually good people suffer and those who aren't so good can still prosper. Why is the suffering in the world? And it's the age-old question that we, that we do battle with, you know, because if God is all-loving, he doesn't want anyone to suffer. And if God is all-powerful, God can do something about it. So that therefore means surely either God isn't all-loving because he's choosing not to do something about it, or he isn't all-powerful because he would do something if he could and that comes here in this issue of all that is going wrong I, I don't know what you're like at complaining anyone here who would say they're a good complainer who wants to own up to it maybe you are maybe you are yes some of you said you some of us like a good moan don't we you know, and there are times when it just feels like, I just need to get this off my chest. Um, some of you may remember the, um, the, the TV comedy show from the 1990s, I think it was now, uh, One Foot in the Grave, and Victor Meldrew. Uh, he, was, he was a classic person for complaining about each and every situation, and the more he complained, the worse things seemed to get. Uh, I think as a nation, we're probably quite good at complaining about things. I, I looked; at, there were a couple of complaints I really liked that I came across um, this week as I was uh, researching for it. You know, you have to research for what people are complaining about. It, it kept me happily amused for a few minutes, a little bit distracted. But I'll, I'll share a couple of the um, complaints. There was one on um, a Pringles. The last Christmas, I think it was, um, that Pringles had put on some of their Christmas special box, Merry Pringles. And, and somebody had written in to complain about the quality of the pun. They said, couldn't you have come up with something better? And they gave them a couple of suggestions. They said, couldn't you have said Merry Christmas? That would have been better. Or, or how about, um, what was the other one they said? They said, what about Pringle Bells? Instead, for puns. And they were complaining about the quality of the puns they were making. Somebody else in one of the um, complaints that was being made was about a pizza that had been delivered to them. And they took to social media and they'd got it from Domino's and they were complaining because they said, "Um, I've just had this pizza delivered from Domino's and it's got no topping on it. It's just crispy bread. And that was their complaint, and you can understand that kind of complaint, can't you? And uh, Domino's responded because it was on social media, and they said, Please let us know what has happened. We will try and sort this out as quickly as possible. To which the reply came, Don't worry, I just realized I opened the box upside down. (laughs) We're good. At complaining. But this is what Asaph does now as he complains. He said, um, this is the complaint. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. That's his complaint. But just as actually the person with the pizza delivery realized, maybe realised afterwards, I shouldn't have put that complaint on. So he now Changes the tone of the psalm and it just completely changes from now on in. It says this, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So, I try to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. So what he's acknowledging at this point is actually he has to try and understand what's going on. He's not going to say uh, God doesn't exist. He's not going to just fall away completely from faith because he knows that that is wrong. He's going to say, actually, I don't understand what God is doing here. I don't understand why things are as they are, but I'm going to try, even though it's hard. Uh, And I wonder if some of us in the situations that we face might be saying, God, why are you doing this? What's going on? I don't believe it. We might want to complain to God. And let me say, I think actually what we learn in this psalm is we can complain to God because that's what Asaph does. And that complaint is in scripture. So when we're feeling like actually everything is going wrong, I don't understand, we don't have to kind of um, keep a stiff upper lip and think it's wrong for me to say anything, I can only give praise to God. It's all right for us to say, Lord, I really don't get this. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm actually struggling to keep going in the faith right now. I think it's okay for us to say those kind of things if that's how we're feeling about life and faith. But what he recognises is he doesn't continue in just complaining. He says, I try to understand. You see, and that's the first thing that we have to do if we're going to change our outlook on something. We've got to say, Lord, help me to try and understand this situation. It's hard. I don't really get it. I'm not sure I want to get it. I'm just hurt by it. I'm angry about it. I'm frustrated about it. Whatever emotion we might feel... But there must be somewhere that I can find you in it. You must be there somewhere, even though it's hard. And look at how it begins to happen for him. He says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God. You see, everything changes when he goes to the sanctuary. What did they go to the sanctuary for? To praise and worship God. You know, it's great that you're here this evening. I believe corporate worship is so important because actually one of the things that it's really important to do is uh, when we are living out our faith during the week and difficult things are happening. uh, I don't know what you're like, but when I have things going on in my life, my prayers are very inwardly focused and a lot of it is about me. And, And actually what happens when I come and worship with other people is it lifts me out of the position that I am in and helps me to focus on who God is. That's why whatever happens we will have times of praise and worship Uh, and actually whatever is going on in an individual's life we still need to praise God together because it's who he is and he deserves our praise and it begins to lift us up and make us look at things in a different way. And so this is the encouragement that he has. So I, I tried to understand, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. You see, what's going to happen as he goes to worship is it, he suddenly sees things differently now. He, he's having a change in attitude uh, as to what is the position of the wicked. You see, before he was saying, oh, they don't have any problems, they don't have any pain, everything is fine for them. It's kind of grass is greener on the other side approach to it, isn't it? They're all right. But now he suddenly looks as as he worships God. He suddenly sees that their position isn't as good as he once thought. Listen to what he says, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. You see what he's saying here is actually their position isn't as secure and as certain as we thought it was, as I thought it was. Because life can just change in an instant, can't it? One minute, everything can seem like it's all right. But suddenly, their very foundations of life can be swept away from them. And in that moment, when life is falling apart, where's your hope? Maybe he remembers that, that actually, his hope is in God, who reigns forever and ever. The God who loves him and looks after him. Uh, And actually when you realise that and you remember it and you recognise it, it changes how you view people who seem to be happy on the surface but are living in contrary ways to that of God. You see the examples I gave earlier of somebody who stands up in business for not giving in to ways that might not be right. Somebody who sticks with their marriage even though everything in them is saying, I I want to get out of this. Somebody who is going through the, the despair of seeing a loved one dying from cancer. And actually through all of those hard things, as you get past those and as people look back very often they can see God was with them and God has given them a hope that has given them the strength to get through. And actually, although it might have been difficult, though it might have been hard, though there may have been times when it felt like giving up, by keeping on going, they've seen the benefits of it. So it starts as he worships with seeing a different perspective on what's happening for the wicked. And then also... He has a different perspective of himself as well. So says, then I realised that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. He recognises his own feelings and, and how that has led him to react in this particular way. And actually, this is what he says about those feelings. He says, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. In other words, the way I was thinking about it was so wrong. Now I can see that. And I just wonder if sometimes as we come to worship, God wants to give us a different perspective on the things that we're struggling with in life. Where we're thinking, actually, I'm not sure I can keep on going. Where, where faith is hard, where I'm just kind of not sure if my feet are slipping or on firm ground. And sometimes God wants to give us a different perspective of the way we're looking at things. Just say, look at it completely differently. Uh, And then we might look at it and say, actually, wasn't I a fool? This was what was wrong with my heart. And I can certainly think think of times where there have been ways of thinking that I've had at a particular time, with particular situations that I've been facing. And then later, as I've been worshipping God and as I've felt God's love surround me, I can look back and say, well... Wasn't I foolish in the way that I was thinking? Weren't my feelings wrong at those times? And that's not to say that um, we should should beat ourselves up for the feelings that we have had. But it's just saying, actually, at that time, I wasn't thinking in the right way. Now, God is helping me to have a different perspective. And I recognise that this is a perspective of truth. And what I had before was a perspective which wasn't truth. It was all bound up in what I was feeling at the time. And this leads him to view God differently as well. He says, yet I still belong to you. So I've messed up. Uh, I've been thinking about it wrongly. I was foolish and ignorant. What does that mean? I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He's mine forever. Isn't that an amazing thing to say that actually with whatever is going on, however bad things are, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. That's an amazing place that he gets to. You know, that would be my prayer for each and every one of us today. That whatever we're facing, if we're facing times where we're thinking, I just feel like giving up. May we go from this place with this verse on our heart. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I just want to draw this time to a close by, by sharing a little story I heard again that I quite liked about um, two men who were uh, staying on a boat and they had decided to row to shore for an evening out. Uh, and actually while they'd been on the evening out, they'd had a little bit too much to drink. Uh, uh, but they decided that they were able still to row back to their boat. So they got into the boat and they started rowing and they rowed and they rowed and they rowed. It seemed like they were going on for hours and they couldn't find the boat. Eventually dawn hit and they were still there trying to row and they realised they hadn't untied the boat from its mooring. Now I suspect that's not a true story but actually it illustrates something that when we are In a particular mindset, there's a particular way of thinking about things that we have. Uh, Whatever we're doing, it can feel like we're rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing, and we never leave the point that we're at. Uh, And I just wonder tonight if God wants to give (coughs) some of us here a new way of looking at something, of seeing something, so that we're not kind of rowing and rowing and rowing, but staying in the same place, but that we can move on from where we are, just as Asaph moves on. Look at how it finishes. You know, the the first verse, the first couple of verses says, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. That was his way of where he was. Look at where it finishes because there's another, but as for me, in the last verse. It says, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, How good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. May we make that decision. May Ah, but as for me, however bad things get, however much I might feel like just giving up at one time or another for the things that are going on, for the things that I'm finding hard. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Amen.